Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, Recorded live. Well, thank you again, Dave Nelson. Yes, we're here for the 351st session episode of the Focus Society of Overachievers. This is Chuck Bartok speaking to you from Corning, California, on the banks of the Sacramento River. Beautiful time of the year for us here in Northern California. The mountains are full of snow. We had several storms last week that gave us some nice heavy snowfall. The water condition looks good through the summer and of course, all the wonderful things about spring are starting to emerge. There flowers blooming, roses and trees, and plants popping up from the hard freezes we had this winter. And springtime is always a great time of reflection on, on uh, just kind of putting things together, uh, starting anew, I guess you might say. Um, we just celebrated Easter, a uh, time of reflection of rebirth and resurrection for people around the world and a good time to uh, take a look at your life and figure out how to how to make things better and uh, along that same line I mentioned to those that I sent out a notice about today's program we're going to talk about uh, listening a skill set that we all seem to have a need to improve upon I know I do and uh, effectively listening is crucial for anybody involved in business or any other type of endeavor that involves communication. Um, we can listen to people's voices. We can listen to their writing, believe it or not. Yeah, we can do that. And um, effective listening and actively listening are, are critical if we're going to be able to understand the other person, the other group of people, and develop the type of relationship that we desire. Uh, that uh, has to do with uh, men and women, and uh, parents and children, teachers and students, uh, employers and employees, uh, business people and their customers, doctors and their patients, the whole gamut of, of relationships that we are involved in in our life are predicated, really, the success of that relationship is predicated on our ability to actively listen and uh, apply that listening to solve the problem at hand, whether it's nothing more than to say, yes, that's true, no, it's not, thank you very much, or express a compliment. And uh, we put together a little book that's available, no charge, no uh, strings attached whatsoever. Uh, you can find that book uh, uh, on our blog post at, uh, which blog post did I put it on? Holy cow. Just put it up. I thought I did. I thought I did. I thought I did. Let's see. 
We're joined this morning so far by Gerard King. Gerard's usually mute, and he uh, sits back, hangs out, and records what we talk about on his uh, notebooks. Takes some of our ideas and the ideas of others and puts them together into his words, because he listens well. And uh, that allows him to publish the wonderful books that he has. Let's see if I've got it here. See if anybody else is with us. Guest three is logged in. Good evening, guest three, or good morning, I should say. If you'd like to type in who you are, where you're from, we'll sure give you recognition. Lori's with us from uh, St. Louis. Good morning, Lori. Okay, if you go to uh, bestbusinessmindset.com, I'm typing it in for those of you that are on the computer with us. And that's a chore for me, Best Business. Mindset.com. The most recent article found there is called Active Listening. If you read the article, follow along a little bit about what we're going to chat about today, and there's an opportunity for you to get your copy of the 22-page book that we recently published. Uh, it's a quick, I don't like long things. I like short things that come to the point. So here we go, bestbusinessmindset.com. Did I spell it right? Yes, I did. Best business mindset. There you go. There's your link. Uh, the only thing you have to do to get a copy of the book is uh, make a tweet. Twitter about the fact that you're there. And uh, no other strings. You don't have to you know, give away your first child or anything else to get a free copy of the book. Again, good morning, Lori. How's everything in your family? Everything is great, Chuck. Good, good. That's what that's what we like to hear. And, and you know what? I really believe that the reason things are good is because you and your husband are doing something about it. Or is it just <laughs> happening because you happen to be an American citizen of a certain age and you're entitled to this goodness, you think? No, Wait. sir. Oh. No, sir. It is because I am actively, uh, we are actively doing something about it. And I, just before this, I was, I was um, on a, Call. That's why I'm a little bit late. I was doing some networking myself. So. Wow. <laughs> so in other words, in other words, you you and Brad are an example of those strange people that good things happen to in their lives because they work at it. Because you take action, and uh-huh. um, I was taking action and working on my. I'm still I'm still trying to get the pictures, but I uh, was doing what I said I was going to do yesterday and working on my my uh, next blog post. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting thing. As a sidelight, um, I was talking to somebody the, the other day, and they were kind of, I, I was feeling a little blue because I hadn't uh, uh, posted for a couple days on one of my blogs, and it was starting to bother me. And then we, we put our heads together and said, now, wait a minute. If we really don't have something powerful and interesting to share, should we feel forced to do it, 
or should we let our muses fly and and uh, uh, get the job done when we feel like it's time to do it? A good question, because obviously if you uh, are employed by somebody and you are required to be at a place at a certain time, uh, you can't take that same attitude because uh, without production, you don't uh, you don't get paid. But it's interesting, probably without posting in your blog, you eventually will dissatisfy your readers. But we really have the privilege of deciding when we do it. Right. I think for me, I tend to. What happens? I'm I'm finding out is an idea will start to roll around, and for me, it takes sometimes a day or two, maybe three days, before it kind of begins to really. It's like okay, exactly how do I want to say this? And then I may find myself as I'm writing, going, "No, this doesn't sound quite right," and I'll end up saying a little bit differently than I even intended when I sat down to start writing. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you ever go back and change what you wrote? Yeah. yeah. You know, that is one nice thing about the blogging platform, uh, since it's published digitally. And I have found myself actually going into some blog posts that are a year or two old, and and doing some re-editing, and then uh, it's, it gives us an opportunity to republish it again. In other words, actually let it be known. Put put a link out on Twitter or Facebook. Um, and 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 the other thing is you have added some fresh content, because I read some of the things I wrote a couple of years ago, and you know they could be improved upon. And and oh, the other thing is uh, you might have gained more knowledge. And one of our our blog themes that we use allows us to put in what's called shadow boxes. And so you've got your regular text, but then you could insert in the middle kind of like a quote box, you know. And uh, you could say, uh, this was added on such and such a date. So a lot of interesting ways that we can uh, uh, modify and change what we've done in the past. Uh, good morning, Roy. Roy Morris is with us from Texas. How are you today, hey, sir? Good morning. I'm doing great. I just... Uh, yesterday I talked to my friend in Florida. She uh, is going to sign up as a customer with me. Oh, fantastic. And, uh, I was chatting with uh, another friend from high school. He lives in Wyoming, uh-huh. and he sounds like he's going to sign up too. So after three days, I'm on a roll. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty good program. Well, that sounds that sounds very good, and and congratulations to you. You've got your things moving in the direction that that you want. That's fantastic. Yes, sir. And Wonderful. I'm proud of Roy. Well, well, you, well, he's got a great coach there, Lori. I gotta tell you something. Yes, sir, Gerara. Is that you? Um, I got a message on Facebook, and I looked at it. Uh, well, it was a pop-up ad, and uh. Canfield, uh, Proctor, and Beckwith have some kind of new program or something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, sometimes I get emails from, like, Beckwith's followers. And they're like, you got to hook up with him. You got to hook up with him. So I opened up the program, and I looked at it, and I was like, well, maybe, you know, I'll try to, like, call his church or send him some books or something. But when I looked at what they put together, some program, 
it said nothing about hard work, so I figured that I won't even try to contact him because <laughs> my stuff won't well, you know, you know, because Beckworth, I don't think was there originally, but they—that's uh, the group that put together the movie, the movie Secret, and uh, you know they, they're doing a great job. You can't argue with people who have a steady cash flow because the public will always open their pocketbook gladly if you offer them a silver bullet. Uh, but you'll never fit in with them if you're talking about hard work, no. action plan, and work to achieve your goal. Right. It doesn't sell well. <laughs> it, it just doesn't sell well. Well, you know, we were going to spend some time today talking about the little book that we wrote. And, again, uh, it's available to anybody if they go to bestbusinessmindset.com. And uh, the article right there, Active Listening, read the article and uh, – uh, if you Twitter, if you there's a little box there that says uh, pay with a tweet, and you can have your free copy. You don't have to sign up, give away your child or anything else. It's uh, no charge whatsoever. Florida's with us. Who's that? This is Hugh. Well, Hugh Little. I was thinking about you last night. I have a listening story. That's why I called. Well, by golly, I'll tell you what. Um, I'm going to ask this question, okay? And this is uh, on page six of our new book. Um, why is it so important to actively listen? That's the question. That's the headline. And I'm going to throw that out to the group, and we're going to let Hugh Little from Florida, Red Cap Sales Training, uh, jump right in here and share uh, his story. And he might even have an off offer an answer to why it is so important to actively listen. Well, the, the first thing is that most people don't actively listen. And uh, I learned from one of my kids pretty early on, uh, my son Matt, and he had done he had done something. He was messing with his sister's stuff, and she was screaming and hollering, and I'd told him several times to stay out of her stuff. And so I had him sitting on my lap. I was just right there with him nose to nose, and uh, I was just really getting on his case about not getting into his sister's stuff. And I had told him, and, you know, he didn't uh, – he keeps on doing it. And, boy, he was just looking at me so intently. And I thought, oh, wow, this is great. I've really got this attention. I'm going to really pour it on here. And I got all finished, and I said, now, son, do you understand what I just said to you? And he looked at me, and he said, Dad, how did you get that crooked tooth? He was sitting there looking me right in the face and not listening to a word I was saying. And uh, I think that that I think that that happens uh, all the time. And from a sales standpoint, uh, most salespeople I have found spend more time talking about themselves, their uh, company, their product, or their service than they do asking good questions and listening very carefully to the answers. And if if we do that, if we're spending more time talking than we are really listening, uh, first of all, I think it's sales mal- malpractice. Secondly, <laughs> um, we're not going to get the information that we need from the prospect to tell us um, what they need and what they want, because that's really the only thing your prospect is is concerned about mm-hmm. is what's in it for them. How can what you do really help them in some measurable way. And so uh, in sales, listening is the whole ballgame, asking good questions and then listening to the answers. And it falls right into any relationship. 
husbands yep. and wives, parents and children, uh, employers and employees. Uh, a good manager is, is a listener. Uh, it's some interesting statistics that I gathered when we wrote the book just a short time ago. And again, uh, I see we have another guest, Zan LW. If you'd like to type in uh, how you found us, where you're from, we'll give you some recognition. Uh, this is Chuck Bartok and the Focus Society of Overachievers on our 351st episode. Um, 90% of our waking time is engaged in some form of communication, which means we really don't spend much time by ourselves uh, meditating, do we? Anyway, be that reading, writing, speaking, or listening. However, half of our communication time is taken up with listening, or, and I like using this word, what passes for listening. And those in a managerial position likely to devote as much as 70% of their communication time to listening. And here's an interesting fact that the higher you go up the chain of command, the more demand is placed on the individual to listen to people. And, you know, this is a trait, I think, Hugh, uh, you're traveling around the country speaking to uh, uh, different uh, business organizations. Uh, What really intrigued me when I, uh, growing up, and I had an opportunity to meet some uh, people in that day were, you know, very successful, quite powerful, uh, politically and uh, economically, uh, commercially, and they weren't really big talkers. But they would ask, I remember Mr. Leon Cohen in 1955, I was weeding his lawn, and he sat on his bench, and all he would ever do is ask me questions. He'd say things like, well, Chuck, how do you feel the weeds are treating you today? And how's your paper route going? And, and, you know, I mean, just... And, and the funny thing, he'd ask a question, and then, of course, being an exuberant young boy, uh, I was just, you know, blathering at the mouth and running off like diarrhea, diarrhea of the mouth. And he listened, but then the next time this man would come back, he would say something about what he heard that I said. And I didn't realize it at that time. A very successful man, he founded a major manufacturing company at the turn of the century in our, in, here in the United States. He was a Russian immigrant. And, uh, you know, it, it, it just amazed me that he, he was an active listener, and that's probably why his uh, success, I, I can't say it was, you know, maybe he married the right woman. But anyway, I, I would think that, um, and this is why we brought it up, the higher up the chain of command you go, the more demand is placed on the individual to listen to other people. Well, I think that, I think that is um, exemplified in the type of work that I do, um, which is customer service, I don't know how many times if an agent has not handled a call properly and listened to the customer properly, the first thing you're going to hear is, I want your supervisor right now. <laughs> yeah. And that's because, you know, and sometimes you'll get a call in where you can't do anything because the first words out of their mouth is, I want a supervisor, which means that the last agent that handled them did not handle that customer properly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And 
so I know I myself have been on the receiving end of uh, something like that one time um, at my technical help desk experience where there was genuinely, there was a mistake that had been made on on high-speed Internet installation on a business line, on a business telephone line that was a dedicated tie line. And because that had mistakenly been installed on that line instead of their um, one of their other business telephone lines, their critical business database systems had been compromised. Uh-huh. And not good. This, no, not good at all. This lady was livid. And I mean, all I could do and all I did do was, was as Hugh was saying, I just shut up and let her vent. And I mean, oh, she, she started out calling me every name in the book. Uh. But I just let her vent until she finally died out and finally took a breath, and then I jumped in and said, "Okay, plan of action. We need. This is how we need to address this. Beginning right now, I need to get our supervisor to the line because I need to get corporate. I need to get this channel to corporate complaints so that we can get the the issue." going in the right avenue to get this resolved and get this taken care of because there's definitely been and I let me uh, let me be the first to say I I am so sorry this is this is a major I acknowledge that this right. is a major fiasco so, so by your listening to her Laurie uh, you, you were able to to let her kind of like you say die down and then you could act forward in the in the right direction and, and and that you know it's kind of hard to listen to things like that. Um, it is, but in the end, because I did what I did, she ended up. Not only did we end up getting her situation resolved properly, but we also I also ended up getting an apology, not only an apology but an agent commendation. Now. Great, fantastic. <laughs> Well, see, now, you were an example in that case of not the average, because, again, as I put in the book, uh, by the way, we're joined now by a human being. Uh, good morning, and glad you could join us on the computer. If you'd like to type in who you are, where you're from, we'll give you some recognition. My studies also show that we properly hear only about 25 to 50% of what is said to us. Out of a 10-minute conversation, you may be getting only two and a half to five minutes of useful information. That's another problem that we have. A lot of times I have diarrhea of the mouth and wander off, and uh, I'm not staying on focus, as most of us do, especially those of us in the commercial world. And, you know, we let our egos trump our intelligence. And uh, so the listener again... You know, how much of that is blather and how much of it is important. But the listener has to be actively listening to sort through the good, bad, and the indifferent. They can get the, they can get the gist of the conversation. But again, you, you by actively listening, you can get to the heart of the meat of the dialogue that's, or the monologue that's being presented to you. I think that gentleman that used to ask you a lot of questions um, 
has has influenced you a lot, Chuck, because one of the things I always enjoy when I've um called and spoken with you privately is is that you'll you'll plant the little seed um by asking a few questions and then gotta go, see ya. <laughs> Bye. It's a habit, isn't it? Drives people nuts. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. I love it because it, it like gets me chewing on just just a tidbit enough to make me think. And the next thing I know I'm taking action on something I, I would have never otherwise considered. And that's what you know. We, I'm really excited about the things you and your husband have been doing lately. It's a, it's a good step forward. Roy Morris in Texas, the same way. Hugh, you just opened up again. You want to come in here and share some more of your wisdom? Oh, I was just going to tell you that um, I had somebody come up to me after um, I did a presentation one time, and they said, "Boy, that was really, really good. You broke into my train of thought at least five or six times." <laughs> <laughs> really high praise. Right. And, and, you know, it's interesting, Hugh. The funny thing is they paid to be there. That's right. You, you, you know, I went to a, a – years ago, it's been a while since I've traveled, but when I went to a, I went to a marketing event in San Francisco back several years ago with young John Guanzon at the time. He was young. I've never been young. And <laughs> – and you know this this you know Mike Filsami was there and all these high powered internet guru big marketing mucky mucks and what really amazed now I went there you know uh, with notebook in hand I always carry my eight and a half and eleven eight and a half by eleven notebook everywhere and uh, I sat in the room and a, a great presentation was being made by Stephen Pierce. I had a dinner with him the night before, and I was quite amazed, uh, impressed with this young man. And uh, I'm sitting there totally glued to what Stephen Pierce is saying because the guy had something to say. And we paid dearly to be at this, you know, meeting, right? It, it wasn't free, and you got your motel, your hotel rooms, and food and all that in San Francisco. My God, parking was more, you know, was what, $30 a day to park your car? Anyway, uh I look around the room a couple times, <clears throat> and there's people <clears throat> texting and doing stuff on their telephones and not paying. It. And, and my question to myself was, why would you want to take your time and energy to come here, pay good money, and not pay attention to what's being shared? <clears throat> anyway, <clears throat> listening, <clears throat> and I guess money was, it wasn't a matter to some of these people. Chuck? Yes. One other thought is that that even if people are at an event where they're they're there to get information and to learn things and they've paid money to do that so that it's a structured situation it's not just a a conversation that we're having mm-hmm. uh there's a speaker imparting information and there's an audience that's trying to learn from that uh they will lose about 25% of what they heard uh the minute that they walk out the door after the presentation and within two weeks, 98% of it is gone. Mm-hmm. And yep. so if we can just up that a little bit, then we're much better listeners and we're getting much more information that sticks and that we can use than um, uh, the ordinary person does. Mm-hmm. Listening, it's kind of a uh, – it's a basis of, of, as I say in the introduction, it, it's truly the basis – of almost all relationship building, again, between spouses, siblings, parents and children, uh, members of your congregation at church, 
uh, in a business situation, employers and employees, uh, and sales and customers, uh, the foundation of building that relationship is your ability to listen effectively and listen actively. And uh, most of the common complaints following any failed personal relationship is the other party didn't listen or that there was a lack. Okay, and where do I go? Oh, well, I can't, can't remember where I went now. I lost a page. Oh, well, that's all right. <laughs> or, 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 or there's a lack of understanding. Well, the lack of understanding can be bridged by the act of listening. So. Right. <laughs> you can't understand until you actively listen and get the information that you need to understand. Mm-hmm. It's funny you mentioned that. The active listening requires the listener to understand, interpret, and evaluate what they're being told, what's being inputted. Without this, communication is nothing but a facade which may suffice when you are passing the time of day talking to the neighbor in the street, but is wholly inadequate in any business environment. Because businesses depend on human interaction to succeed. This is why social media has exploded on the scene. Because social media is a method of communication. It is typically a method of communication through writing, but, you know, the other, the, even we're talking about listening with our ears, but if we stop and think about it, isn't it true that if we go to a place like Twitter or, or Facebook and we read something and we don't focus on reading carefully and we respond immediately, we might have responded not to the point made, but by something that wasn't even there. So again, focus. Funny thing, focus society of overachievers. We have to focus our listening and we have to focus on our reading so that we have a better understanding and we're on the right track of that which we're listening to and uh, what we're reading. A lot of reasons why people fail to listen properly. And this is critical. They may be distracted by an activity they are attempting while listening. And we've said on this program many times, and we've said on our Wednesday business development program, multitasking is an absolute fallacy. Multitasking is just something that that doesn't work. It doesn't work in the world where things really get done. In fact, multitasking, I think, has led to the half-hearted attempt at doing a lot of things in our government and uh, in our lives, uh, you know, across across all realms. Other thoughts in your head that you may deem to be, you know, more important. Active listening focuses your attention on the speaker. It involves you to be. It involves you to subjugate your own needs for a while, in deference to those of the listener. See, that, that's another thing. Again, we're getting back to the, to the point of ego. You, you have to put your things aside to actively listening. You have to put your personality aside a little bit to actively listening. 
It requires concentration and a genuine willingness to hear what's being said. Again, anybody listening to this show today, tomorrow, and in the future, grab your free copy of the 22-page book, Active Listening, by going to bestbusinessmindset.com. The most recent article, if you look at articles, the most recent article is Active Listening. Not very long. Three, four hundred words. At the bottom it says, pay with a tweet and you'll have a free copy of this book delivered to your computer instantly. No strings attached. Just say something nice about it on Twitter. It's a way we generate traffic and bring traffic back to our blog. I think this pay with a tweet uh, plug-in is just a lot of fun. Common barriers to active listening. And uh, I've outlined these in the book, but uh, first, what is ignorance and delusion? Uh, You can actually be ignorant of the fact that something important is being said or that anybody is talking, believe it or not, even though the noise is there. Most of us can get through life perfectly, adequately, without developing our listening skills because we fail to classify listening as a skill. And because most everyone is in the same state of ignorance. Think about that. I don't know, I I, I get anxious once in a while, but the dumbing down of our society. Does anybody really listen to what some of these people say? What your elected leaders really are saying? You know, I, I doubt it, because if you listened intently to what you're saying, it would scare the death out of you. It is very easy to delude yourself into thinking that listening just involves allowing another person to talk in your presence. It is only when faced with a truly gifted listener, one who actively listens, that we may become aware of how lacking we are by comparison. And again, we've used this example on the show, and this has happened to me, and and other people have mentioned it. You go to a public meeting, a a reception, a a ribbon cutting, uh, you know, even a a church meeting, and, and there'll be somebody new there, and the person that says very little but moves around the room and it actively is listening to people as he or she meets them, after they leave, people say, wow, wasn't that guy a great conversationalist? <laughs> and yet they said very little. But they were listening intently to your name. You know, how do you remember people's names? Well, if you extend your hand and say, hi, I'm Chuck, and and Roy comes back to me and says, I'm Roy, if I don't pay any attention to what Roy's saying, five minutes later, I may forget that that's Roy. Yeah, uh, Chuck, uh, I used to be real bad at, I would hear people call out my name when they talked to me, Mm -hmm. use my name, and I would just, like they'd say, hello, Roy, and I'd just say, hello. Mm-hmm. And I got to thinking on that after a while, and I thought, well, that ain't right. Mm-hmm. You know, I need to recognize them, too. That's right. So I made, I started making a habit of using names, and uh, that goes along with listening to them, you know. And uh, it helps. Yep. Active listening. What are some of the other barriers to active listening? 
one of them I, I've concluded was reluctance. The possible result of actively listening to another person may be that you become embroiled in their situation in some way. People who share problems often do so because they are seeking advice, but they may also want the listener to become more deeply involved. However, you may not want to, so subconsciously you avoid listening to that problem because you don't want to be burdened with it. I mean, these are real things. You know, this is a, a one reason why we may not be listening. Or we might have a bias or prejudice. I, I, the other night, on one of the uh, newscast talk shows, the person being interviewed is somebody that I just don't have any interest in whatsoever. I mean, they, you know, they're, they're just totally opposed to what I stand for. And what did I do? I, I flipped channels. Now, if you just stop and think of it, I, I didn't want to hear what this person had to say, so I flipped channels. But is there a possibility that by listening to that person, I might have gained more insight into reality? It's a question for the group to think about. You know, should we spend time listening to people that we are biased and prejudiced against? Could it help us become more improved? Because you, what happens, you know, we're going to respond negatively anyway, and we, we want to kind of get away from, from that situation. Got to get to page nine. <laughs> subject matter. Maybe you're just not interested in the subject matter. By golly, there's a lot of people that come onto this show and leave. That's fantastic. You know, they're not interested in the subject matter. Nothing wrong with that. They don't have to listen. Nobody says you have to listen to this. Might be because they find the subject dull or they feel that it's too far beyond their experience to comment on. That's another thing. I have a tendency of, of getting too detailed in some of my conversations with people. I bet you Hugh Little has something to share about that because one of his jobs is to give people involved in sales a good thought track to follow on. The uh, uh, you know the, the, so, some people uh, if you're making a sales presentation and you get too detailed the, the the recipient the prospect the potential customer doesn't want to look foolish by asking you a question back maybe we should keep a certain simplification in in our conversations your thoughts Hugh yeah it's uh, this is a little bit crude I suppose but. Um... I believe that a lot of uh, salespeople show up and throw up, and they just, they just try to tell uh, all of their prospects absolutely every detail of what they do and how they do it and uh, every detail of every product they have available or service that they have available. And, um, again, a prospect's attention level um, isn't gonna isn't gonna survive that. It's not gonna take too long, and they're gonna be turned off. They're not gonna be listening, and they're not gonna buy. And that's why it's so important to keep the prospect engaged 
by asking high-yielding questions, open-ended questions, the why, who, where, what, when, how kinds of questions. Um, and then as you, as you determine what their challenges are, what the problems are that they have in their life or their business, uh, you determine how your product or service uh, can possibly help solve that problem, or you find out what in their heart they really want and need more than anything else right now, and you determine that your product or service can do that, that's what you talk with them about, is how your product or service specifically can solve their problem and help them get what they want and need. And normally that doesn't take a whole lot of time, and you don't have to give them every detail about everything you do because you're talking about them, and that's what they're interested in hearing is how their life can improve significantly in some measurable way. Uh, you hit the nail right on the head, Hugh. Uh, we, you know that most of you know that I've been involved in the horse housing industry for the last two decades, on and off, and and uh, we make a manufacture a fantastic product, blah 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 blah. But in talking to the horse owner, do they really care that the Perlins are fourteen gauge steel? <laughs> You know, do, do they really care that there's a full 360-degree weld on the vertical bars? Do they really care, that in, in, in the initial conversations, do they really care that the galvanization is, is fully fully galvanized, not dipped? Another. Okay, what they really care about is how can you safely, economically house their animal from the elements? And that's what we should be focusing on when we discuss. Now, as discussions go forward, I'm using this as an example. Since most of the people that buy barns are women and the husbands are there to listen, the questions may come up later on the technical aspects. But really, they they don't really want to hear about what the barn's made of. They want to know, is it affordable? Is is it a low maintenance factor, and is it safe for their animals, which they've invested a lot of money in? So we don't have to be complicated, but we do want to listen to what their need is. We want to listen to what they do with their horse. We want to listen, and they, these are the kind of questions. I'm just using this as an example because it applies to everything. Well, what kind of horses do you own, Hugh? What do you do with your horses, Hugh? How long have you owned your horses? And then shut up and listen. Because that's going to do a lot to tell you where they want to go. Another um, factor in uh, barriers against active listening, the status of the speaker. The listener's opinion of the speaker as a person may influence the extent to which they are happy to pay attention and give their time. Maybe based on simple likes or dislikes. You know, uh, <laughs> he was talking about his son who was more intent on the crookedness of his nose than what he had to talk about. <laughs> uh, you know, we might be up there at the front of the podium with our fly open. Uh, <laughs> or a woman may have her blouse unbuttoned. I mean, you know, that that can affect the status of the speaker. Or, you know, just it, it's how people feel. I mean, what what is your stature? Let me put it that way, your stature. 
when you are speaking and wanting your audience to listen, and what is your stature, what is your uh, body language when you're listening? How the listener is feeling. Even if it is your, in your job description to listen to other people, your ability to actively listen to them can easily be affected by how you are feeling at the moment. That's absolutely true. Lori could go to work. She's paid to listen to people's problems and come up with solutions. But if she leaves for work in a, in a sorry state of mind, if she leaves to work in a, uh, a you know bad flu, coughing, whatever, it's going to affect their listening ability. Uh, shucks, I'm looking at the time today. Time and place. Go ahead, Lori. That, that's why my one of my staples as a call center representative is cough drops. <laughs> is what? Is cough drops. <laughs> cough drops, absolutely, absolutely. Hey, Chuck. Yes, sir, Hugh. Um, I was up in Knoxville, Tennessee, doing some speaking a couple of weeks ago, and uh, there was uh, somebody in that workshop who did a, an exercise with uh, all of the speakers and meeting planners that uh, were attending the workshop, and uh, they read us a, a, a list of 12 words, um, things like bed and pillow and rest and relaxation and slumber and awake, all things that had to do with sleep. And they, after they read the 12, they had us all pick up a pen and write as many of the words as we could remember uh, that they had said. And uh, we wrote down... Um, uh, well, the average is about five or six out of the 12 mm-hmm. people will remember after they just read the list. Yeah. And uh, there was one word that they did not put on the list that everybody wrote down, and that word was sleep. Even though sleep was never mentioned. Yes. And yeah. so sometimes we, sometimes our brains um, kind of fill in blanks and spaces um, and we hear people say things that they really didn't say. Right. And, Chuck, I'm going to give you a really good example. Um, it was my crooked tooth, not my crooked nose. There you go. See there? I, I didn't listen to you. You're absolutely correct. Thank you very much. It, it still illustrates the, uh, the point, though. Right. That, uh, and I, I mean, you still got the gist of the, the story. Mm-hmm. You got the idea behind it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as details are concerned... Um, very often we, even when we're listening actively, you know, and everybody was listening because we knew we had to write down as mem- many of those words as we could remember, mm-hmm. and it was only 50% wow. that we could remember like 30 seconds after they read the list. And so if we're not listening actively, it's going to be a lot lower than that. Yep. Thank you, Hugh. Active listening, our topic today, uh have a 22-page book, free, no, no strings attached. You, by the way, if you want to get a copy of that and print it in, in any form you want and share it with people, uh, it, you know that's why we put it out there. You, it might be a, a nice little gift to have at the back room, you know, back of your table. Who knows? Bestbusinessmindset.com. Uh, the most recent blog post there is active listening. Scroll down to the bottom and you get your free copy by twittering. Pay with a tweet, as we call it. Um, I'm looking at the clock here. I've got to take the car down for service and do the rest of the Tuesday morning chores like be in the senior bowling league. I appreciate Roy Morris, Lori Polina, Dave. Dave Christensen is with us, guest 10 and 9. We've had other people in and out. Gerard King in Washington, D.C., who's been listening in the background. Interesting example. 
Gerard King, a brilliant author, has been listening to this show for six years, and it has become the foundation of five of his books. Because he listens intently, keeps that information, and then he interprets his take on some of the things that we've said. I mean, not that it's, you know, he's not mouthing what's on this program, but he listens very intently to give him ideas to do what he likes to do. I want to thank Hugh Little, Red Cap Sales Training, for joining us. This is Chuck Bartok from the banks of the Sacramento River. Having to close it off this week, we'll be back again Tuesday. Let your friends know to come back to FocusSociety.com, Tuesday mornings, 11.30 a.m. Eastern. And again, a free copy of your book, BestBusinessMindset.com. Thank you all for joining us. Hope to talk soon. And uh, rather than say go out and have a great day, uh, just bear in mind that there is no alternative. Thank you very much, everybody. Bye-bye. Great program, Chuck. Thank you. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.